welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. All right, well, we are excited and ready to begin week one of our new series, Unstoppable. Can we say, all say Unstoppable together? Unstoppable. It's going to be a great series, uh, kind of a different message, different theme. We just finished up a great series on thin ice. This series is all about kind of going to the next level, embracing some incredible things that, that God has for us. And in this series, as, as this is week one, we're going to learn about faith, hope, and love. And this whole idea of the power of three, and that if, if by chance, not just one of the areas, but if we could get all three of these areas in operation in our lives, and moving forward, and, and doing it in a God-honoring way, we will live a life for Jesus Christ that truly is unstoppable, not because of how great we are, but because of how amazing God is and what he can do in our lives. So during this series, this is week one, and we're going to talk about unstoppable faith, and we're going to be stretched, and kind of God's going to show us new things and remind us of things. So we want you to be ready for that. It's so so exciting what God's going to be doing. Next week, we'll talk about hope. Pastor Pastor Rob will be teaching next weekend, and then we'll talk about love as as week three of the series. And it's, it's just going to be fantastic. So welcome everybody that's watching online, that's listening, that's live in our services. We're just really, really excited about our new series, Unstoppable. One of the things that if you've spent some time studying the Bible, reading the Bible at all, maybe you do SOAP and you follow along with the devotional plan that we have here at the church called SOAP, but have you ever, have you ever read from a Bible that is what we call a red letter edition, where the words of Jesus are in red? Can I see your hands if, if you've ever done that? By the way, it's a great it's a, it's a great beginning way to read the Bible, but actually mature Christians, I at times still love to read the red letter edition of Scripture. It's not a translation. It's simply a, a Bible that has Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, a little bit of the book of Acts, a little bit of the book of Revelation. Any place that Jesus speaks directly, it's written in red. And so you can identify that. Now, we, the whole Bible is inspired, Word of God. The whole Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit and is profitable and useful to each and every one of us. But it, sometimes it's really cool to kind of hone in on scriptures that Jesus specifically spoke. And so as we launch into week one of this series, Unstoppable, I'm going to begin with a verse where Jesus was speaking and he was talking to his disciples present and his disciples which were yet to come which means you and us and he, you and I and he was sharing this kind of this kind of idea and it's a really kind of dramatic statement about living an unstoppable life and really so much about how faith plays into it so fully encourage you dial in in, in this weekend's message, kind of hone in and, and focus with me and, 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 just, and just be ready for everything that I think God's going to speak to each and every one of our hearts. Let's not punch the clock this weekend. Let's not just kind of go through the motions, but let's really get ready and say, God, I am here to hear from you. I want you to speak to my heart. So here we go. John chapter 14. If you're ready, Sam, ready. Thanks. I better I'm ready. 
Thanks. That's cool. That's good. John 14, 12. Uh, and I want to read this passage again where Jesus was speaking. And I'll pause and then I'll read the rest of it. It says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. Now I got to tell you, I'll pause there. I've read this verse hundreds of times. And most of the time, if I read it without just blowing by it real fast, I just always have this pause moment like, wow, did God, did Jesus just really say that? That I, that you and I have the ability with his help to do the same kind of works he did? I mean, he, he went around healing people, loaves and fishes, miracles, all the different things that Christ did. And I'm reading these words and sometimes I just say, Really? Is sure Jesus didn't misspeak here? Did he really believe? Did he, is it really true? And he said, the words I'm about to say to you are true, just so that we can clear that up. And he said that, that these works that, that I'm going to do, that I did, that you've seen me do, you're going to do these works. And he goes on and, and kind of puts this, this PS on it. He says, and even greater works. And even greater works. And you look at that and say, wow, wow. God desires for you and I, clearly, as we begin this series, God desires for every one of us to have a faith in operation in our lives and a faith journey involving faith, hope, and love that we begin with this idea of faith that is truly unstoppable. That now, Again, because of who he is, he wants our daily lives to be filled with moments and occurrences and times where he's in operation and we see God just doing exciting things in our lives. God doesn't want our lives to be mundane. He doesn't. He doesn't want them to just be boring. He doesn't want us to just go through the motions. That's just not how he's, he's intended it to be. And so Jesus, we read this verse and he's like, wow. Jesus just says, you're going to do the similar things that I've done. And by the way, you're going to do even greater things. Even greater things. Now, I know that's hard to get our minds wrapped around our hearts, but we're going we're to try to do that in this weekend's message. When I was uh, 20 years old, I was a minister in training, and, and some of you know a little bit of my journey. I won't share it all with you. I committed my life to Christ late in high school. I was not a committed Christian in elementary years or junior high years or even early high school years, and I did the religious thing. I went to church once in a while, but I had no personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I hadn't fully given my life to God. I didn't know what that really meant and hadn't made that decision. Well, late in high school, I had this defining moment where Christ came into my life and changed my life, and I had a personal relationship with him, and it was, it was so significant. It was just so significant. I felt God leading me to go to Bible college, and, and, uh, and so I was, I was fresh in Bible college, been there about a year and a half and again, uh, I need you to know, I didn't know much about the Bible, okay? Uh, most of what I read was red, okay? I, I was reading the red letter stuff because somebody told me to read the red stuff in the Bible. So I thought that's a good place to start. I'll read the red. And so I was reading the red, and uh, we heard about this, um, this uh, evangelist, great Christian leader, great speaker that was going to be in our area about 45 minutes away. And, uh, and he was going to put on a healing service, a healing service. Now, I'm 20 years old, young Christian leader trying to learn how to become a minister. I had never been to a healing service. I did never watch the healing service. I did not know what a healing service was supposed to be like, okay? So me and a couple buddies from Bible college, we left, got in the car, drive, drove over there, came into the arena, thousands of people, high energy, music was playing, stuff, people were jumping and moving, doing things I didn't think you were allowed to do in church, you know? I didn't, I didn't understand all what was going on, but I was watching, I was watching, and, and it was great, it was amazing, the service continued, and the worship was great, the preaching was great, 
And the speaker at the end, he gave a response, a call. He said, is there, for whoever is here that needs God's healing touch upon their lives, come forward and we're going to pray for you. And I sat and watched. I'm dialed in. Again, I'm dialed in. Because I, I, I read the red part of Scripture, so I knew Jesus did healing stuff. I didn't know you and I could. And I watched as he called these people down, and I watched as people came in wheelchairs and crutches. Again, never been in a service like this in my life. And I'm watching. I'm, my eyes are big, wide open, looking. Thankfully, I, I felt really healed up, so I was good to go. And I was watching what was taking place. And, and he, the speaker and some of the leaders, the worship team was playing. They were going around, and they were laying hands on people, putting their hands on people's shoulders and heads and on their backs and praying God's healing touch on them. And, 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 and I mean, it was, I, again, I didn't understand some of the gyrations and movements and why all that was taking place, but I sensed God's power there. And it was just kind of, it was such a learning, just a learning occasion for me. And I watched, and I didn't understand a lot of it, but here's what I understood. I watched some people that came down on crutches, and God instantly healed them. And they went back to their seats, jumping, celebrating, worshiping God, not needing crutches. And I'm like, wow, this is really cool. And I, thought, and I watched as he went around, and he, he would put his hand on people and pray for healing. And I thought, man, God, how do I get that hand thing going in my life, you know, so I, I can go around and pray for people, and they'll just be healed. And it was, it was, I mean, it was so cool. It was so neat to experience it. So maybe you've never experienced it. Maybe you did a long time ago. But it really made an impression on me. I remember going back to my dorm room that night. And I remember praying this prayer. God, could I ever do that? God, could I ever do that? Could you ever empower me, help me so that I could pray and help people? And people could be healed because of you doing the hand thing through me? Or, you know, I, I didn't know exactly how to pray even at that point. But I was learning. And I thought, God, God could, you, could you ever do that in me? Could you ever use me in that way? And 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 13 is our theme verse for this entire series. And I'm going to ask us to read it aloud. It'll be up on the screen. It's really short. And, uh, and just want us to read this aloud together. And let's do that, church. So here we go. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So true. Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, he's saying, Christians, I need you to understand something. There's something different about faith, hope, and love. There's just a different thing going on here. And see, if you read earlier in the chapter, he explains all the incredible gifts and things the Holy Spirit has for us. It's the love chapter. talks about the power of all the different attributes of love and how it looks like in the chapter before and the chapter after it. talks about gifts that the Holy Spirit has to give to all of us. And then he gets to this part of 1 Corinthians 13, 13, after saying all this stuff, and he says, hey, there's something special about faith, hope, and love. There's something about those, th those three areas in operation in our lives, that, and it says that they will last forever, and that's where we come up with this idea of unstoppable. That if we can learn to walk in these three areas of our lives, that incredible things will happen in our journey. So again, this weekend we're looking at the topic of faith, and, and it's important to know that there's a lot of us at times that we may not get faith exactly right. And we, we don't understand exactly what God-honoring faith is. We may have an idea about it, but it's one of those things also that, that there's a lot of us that need God to kind of broaden under, our understanding. I know he's been doing that to me as I've been studying on this topic the last few weeks of really what is God-honoring faith all about. So did you know 
that there was, that really faith expresses itself three different ways. If you will, there's kind of three types of faith. And again, you can take a few notes. I'll share these with you in this kind of teachable time in this message. There's three different types of faith. The first faith is what we would call just simply this, a simple faith. Everybody say simple. Simple Simple faith. Simple faith is the kind of faith that says, do you believe in God? Sure. Do you believe in God? Yeah, I believe in God. Simple faith is the kind of faith when surveys have done, have you ever noticed that? And surveys are asked this way of the general public, do you believe that God is real or do you believe in a God? And 80 plus percent of people will say, sure, yes, I believe. I believe in God, I believe that God is real and people will say, I believe in a higher power. People will talk like that, that they just, you know what, I just think God's around or there's some higher power at work and, and that is simple faith. Watch this, there's a couple, couple key scriptures Psalms 19.1 describes simple faith. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. What does that mean? Have you ever been on a lake, in the woods, in the mountains, watching a sunset, and you're like, wow, God had to do something here. It's just too beautiful. God must have created this. And, and it says the, the heavens declare, the skies declare the glory of the Lord and his craftsmanship is known to all of us. That's simple faith where you're like, wow, look at this. It's just incredible. It's just amazing. There must be a God. And that is, that is really defining simple faith. Look at James chapter 2, one other verse that describes simple faith that's just something we need to be, take notice of in verse 19. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this. Okay? This is, smile with me, this is what I call one of those caution verses. If ever scripture or God tells you, you believe what the demons believe, bad sign, okay? We need to go way, way beyond that. James is really saying that simple faith isn't enough. It may even be a good place to start. It may have kind of the warm fuzzies, and isn't it nice that most people believe that there is a God, and that feels really good, but it's not adequate. It's not God-honoring faith. Again, maybe it's a beginning, But it's not the place that we stop in discovering what God-honoring faith is really all about. The second kind of faith that we see in Scripture is what we call saving faith. Everybody say saving. Saving faith. This is just so great to talk about. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, 4. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. Saving faith. If you have made a commitment and committed your life to Jesus Christ and invited him to be your Lord and Savior, and you've gone beyond the religion thing and said, you know what? My relationship with Christ is number one to me. You got there by saving faith. Some of you remember at Easter time, we had a bridge up here on the platform at all of our campuses, and and the bridge really symbolized that thing, that faith that connects Our disconnect from God brings us together through grace, by faith, and it's just this really cool equation that takes takes place. But we cannot have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ without having saving faith have been in operation in our lives. And so it's one of those key areas, it's one of those areas that brings us close to God because we believe what God's Word says and we say, you know what, I'm going to act upon it. And Jesus, I want you to change my life. Saving faith is so important. It also reminds me that, that saving faith helps us when we can't answer all the questions. The Bible literally says without faith, it's impossible to please God. 
And so even when I'm deciding, should I go all in with this God thing? Should I serve him? Should I follow him? Should I give him my life? Or is this just kind of a church tradition that different people choose from? Is there really more to this? And you know what? I can research some of it, but there's a few gaps. There's some questions I just don't understand. I can't find the answer for. That's where faith comes in. That's where it comes in. I mean, some people will say to me, can you, you know, ask this question? It's a really challenging question, and and it's a question that, and I'll sometimes say, that's above my pay grade, you know? Because I I just don't know everything. I can't answer everything, and we need faith to kind of fill in the gaps of some of the areas that we can't explain. Now, the third kind of expression of faith, if you will, is what we call living faith. Everybody say living. This is key. It's really the, the theme of our message this weekend, living faith, what it means to have a faith that's alive and that's at work in our lives every day of our lives. So Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. As we take a few moments to describe what living faith really is all about, which is kind of this whole idea of unstoppable and gets us going on this journey in the beginning of this series. We understand that living faith is those moments where we feel God leading us to do something new, big, exciting, different, that's just something God wants in our lives, and we're about to say yes to it. And we're wrestling with that, but we need living faith in operation. Let me help you out with a few things before we kind of dive too far into scripture here. Uh, What is the purpose of living faith? So that you can know, hey, I feel like God's leading me to do this. Is this really from God? How do I know that this faith idea that's stirring around in me, other than make sure it's biblical, how do I know that it's God stirring in my life? Let me just share with you a couple purposes of living faith. If it's God faith, it always elevates God. It always elevates God. Not us, not me, it elevates God. Okay, always. It always is one of those things where it honors or glorifies God. That's one of the purposes. Living faith honors and glorifies God. Again, it makes him look good. It brings glory and honor to Christ in our lives, and that's one of the purposes. The third purpose I would share with you is that, that living faith expands God's kingdom. It expands God's purposes around the world. It makes a difference in the lives of other people. And so when I'm thinking about faith steps and what God wants me to do, does it elevate Christ? Does it honor Christ? And does it expand his kingdom, his work, what God wants to do all around the world? The cool thing about this last purpose is that God uses you and me to accomplish this. Isn't that good? He uses you and me. So 1 Kings chapter 18. How many are ready for your faith to get stretched a little bit? Come on, tell me you're ready. I mean, because that's going to happen. You ready? We're going to kind of dive into something. It may be brand new to some of us. It may be familiar to some of us. I hope it's fresh to each and every one of us. We're going to look at the life of an individual for a few moments that I just think is one of the best examples in Scripture of somebody that operated in living faith. And again, it's going to take us out of our little Minnesota nice comfort zone here for a few minutes, okay? We've got to be willing to go there. And we're going to look at the life of Elijah. And he's, he's, in, he's on Mount Carmel, and he's in the midst of this battle, this challenge, with, with prophets of evil or prophets of idols that are not serving God. And he's trying to represent God and hold up the light for who God is and the power of the one true God. So what we're going to do is I'm going to read a number of scriptures. Then I'm going to do what I call, I'm going to catch us up. I'm going to share a few things that happen, and then we'll come back and we'll read the, kind of the rest of the end of the story, if you will, because it's 30-some verses long, and so I, I need to break it up a little bit. So if you're ready, Sam, ready? 
cool, let's do this. It's going to be really great. 1 Corinthians 18 and verse 21. Then Elijah stood in front of them and said, how much longer will you waver, hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then, then follow him. But the people were completely silent. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only prophet of the Lord who is left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Watch what happens here. How many for God? One. How many prophets worshiping idols? 450. Key. Verse 23, now bring two bowls. The prophets of Baal may choose whichever one they wish. Cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood of the altar, but without setting fire to it. Verse 24, then call in the name of your God, small g, your God, right? Call in the name of your God, and I will call in the name of the Lord, capital L. The God who answers by setting fire to the wood is the true God. And all the people agreed. Do you see what's happening here? I mean, this is serious competition, like Vikings, Packers, where they're actually really good, right? I mean, this is a whole nother level that's taking place here. The prophet's saying, you know what? I think our God is so much better than the God of the idols and the God of darkness and whatever idol you're worshiping. I, I, I call you to a competition. Let's see whose God shows up. Flat out, Pastor Darren, you're stretching it. I am not stretching it at all. And he says, so we're going to draw this line in the sand. And here's what's going to happen. You call upon your God, prophets of Baal and idols and stuff like that. And, and whichever God answers by fire, so you go first. And here's what happens. It's the, the scriptures that we don't have listed there on the screen. So for several hours, long into the evening, the Bible says, that they prayed, they worshiped, they danced, trying to get the, the prophet of, of idols and the, the, worship, the God of Baal and the God that's not the one true God, the God that we serve. They tried to get him to answer by fire. It says they even went as far as jumping and singing and dancing. It says they were cutting themselves, trying to do different goofy things because they were so desperate for this evil God to answer by fire. And guess what? Nothing happened. Nobody answered. Nobody responded. Elijah's there. He's watching all that. Now we pick up in verse number 30. Then Elijah, Elijah, after he watched all that happen, he called to the people, come over here. Then he said, fill four large jars with water and pour the water over the offering and the wood. You catch that? Have you ever started a bonfire using water? <laughs> come on, church. Have you ever done that? Have you ever done? He's, he's going to ask God for this miracle and first he says, hey, soak the whole thing in water. Amazing. At the usual time, verse 36, for offering the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar. Watch his prayer. And he prayed, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. O Lord, answer me. <laughs> no kidding. Please, God, answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you, O oh Lord, that they'll know you are, you are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. Remember, honor, glorify, lift up God, not us. You have brought them back to yourself. Verse 38, immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and it burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and even the dust. It even licked up all the water in the trench. Come on, church. Is that not unstoppable? Really, I mean, it is. It is so, it's unstoppable. I mean, some of you need to find your excitement button and push it right now. <laughs> Serious, because it's one of those places where you're just like, wow, God, this is not a parable. 
This is not a fantasy we just read. This is an actual historical account in the Old Testament of a person operating in living faith. And you read that and you watch that and you see that and you try to visualize that. I mean, I wish it was like 3D glasses, images we could see of what happened. But sometimes, I mean, my response is, okay, God, how can I have faith like that? How can I have faith like that? How can I operate like Elijah did? How, how can I do that, God? How can I, sign me up. God, sign me up, whatever it looks like, because I want to have that kind of faith and operation in my life. And it's just one of those key areas, key things that we desire. Let me share a couple things with you on the journey of faith. When I was um, 20 years old, turning 21, and uh, I was at college and had a part-time job. Didn't make a lot of money, but uh, it was almost 25 years ago now. And, uh, but I, wasn't, I didn't have much money, but I wasn't tithing. I wasn't honoring God with the first 10% of my giving. And I remember God convicting me of that because the Bible says it's not about the amount. It didn't matter how much money I made. It was about obeying God in the tithe, the first 10%, and saying, God, I trust you. And God convicted me of that. And uh, I remember making a decision that I was going to honor God and trust God in the tithe. And, and the offering was being taken. I stuck my cash in the envelope at church and sealed it up. And the offering ushers were a couple rows beyond me and, and uh, behind me. And they were coming up to my point. And the bucket was coming down the offering plate. And I remember God just saying, Darren, do you trust me? And I put my offering in the plate. A few months later... Um, I was uh, in the midst of dating this really incredible woman who's in the service with me right now. And, uh, and God laid on my heart to ask her to marry me. I mean, I think it's good. I only asked one woman in my whole life to marry me, right? And um, great decision. She was a great blessing in my life. And, and as I felt led to do that, I had these fears and concerns about how am I going to provide, how am I going to supply this I'm a planner. I like to figure things out. I like to strategize and, and lay things out. That's kind of how I'm wired. And, and I, just, I just, I wanted so much to marry Jane, but I didn't know how everything was going to get figured out in the natural. And I just remember God saying to me, Darren, do you trust me? Fast forward about 15 years, 20 years, six years ago, God gave us the opportunity and uh, laid on my heart, Jane's heart, to plant a brand new church over in the Savage area. And um, I mean, we had a great church behind us, supporting us, helping resource us. We had friends and, that believed in us, prayed for us, helped us out on the journey. But still, in my mind, it was like, this is a brand new work. Who's going to come? God, how's this going to work? Who wants to come to this elementary school and set up and tear down and do church? And I had all these thoughts going on in my mind about planting this brand new church that God had laid on our heart to do. And I just remember again, God saying, Darren... Do you trust me? And so I go back to that question, looking at the life of Elijah and say, how can I, how can I get faith like that? How can I have unstoppable faith at that level? Can I just tell you, I don't think it begins with calling fire down from heaven, okay? I don't think that's step one in the journey. I think step one is simply this, saying yes to what God is asking you to do. Say yes. Say yes to whatever God is asking you to do. It could be in the area of family. It could be in the area of finance. It could be a career decision that you don't have it all figured out. And you don't know how it's all going to work out. But yet God's opened a door for you. And you know it's a God door and you're supposed to walk through it. But there's some unknowns. And so you take living faith and you say, God, I'm going for it. God, I'm doing it. 
God's leading you to do something again in the area of giving at a whole nother level or in the area of leading a life group. Or maybe you're like some that have said, you know what, I'm, I just feel like God wants me to go on a global team, a missions trip. I've never done that before. I, I'm not sure what that means. Whatever God is leading you to do, say yes to it. And that's where unstoppable faith begins to grow. Can I give you a principle before we close? And it's simply this. Steps of obedience increase our faith. Steps of obedience increase our faith. Meaning, the more we say yes to God, the more our faith expands and we see God doing bigger things in our lives. When we stop taking steps of faith, our faith becomes kind of dormant, if you will, you know, and it doesn't grow. So steps of obedience... Whatever that is, fully surrendering my life to God, fully taking the next step, whatever God is asking us to do, that is the kind of faith that grows to become unstoppable. It's so, so important. So let me give you the takeaway from this weekend's message. The takeaway is simply this. What is God wanting you to trust him with? What is God wanting you to trust him with? Today, this weekend, as we begin this series, what is God wanting you? Not the person next to you. Don't be elbowing your husband. Yeah, honey, you hear that? Don't do that. <laughs> you, me. What is God wanting you to trust him with? What is God wanting you to say yes to him about? What is it? I would fully encourage you to grab onto faith with all of your heart and say, yes, God. Yes, if it's biblical, if it honors God, if it lifts him up, if it expands his kingdom, if it kind of goes through that filter and we know it's solid and it's right, it's biblical, say yes. Say yes. I, I can't tell you how many times I've had the opportunity to share and pray with people that are praying about that missions trip that they feel God lead them to go on or pray about that ministry they're supposed to get involved in or pray about that relationship or forgiving that person that's hard to forgive. And then yet they know God's leading them to do it. I've prayed with people feeling that God's taking them to a new level in their giving. I've prayed with people that say, you know what, I feel like I'm supposed to do this at my school and they're a student. I've prayed with people and talked with people that felt God's laid in my heart to share his love with this coworker. And I just know I'm supposed to do it. And we've prayed and we've talked about it. And here, this has happened so many times, church. Uh, within a couple days or a couple weeks or maybe a couple months, they'll come back to me and they'll say, Pastor Darren, it worked. Like, surprise, it worked. It worked. God answered. It worked. God responded in favor to that. You know what? I think if Elijah was here today, he would tell us the same thing. Hey, church, it works. It works. Step out in living faith. Step out in living faith and say, God, I'll say yes to you to whatever you're wanting me to trust you with today.